Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined today by Matt Eddy for another edition of Fantasy Hipster, letting you know who all the prospects are before they're cool. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Hey Kyle, it's a pleasure to be here. Matt and I are focusing today on some of the guys in the lower levels, particularly rookie ball, a lot of guys who are newly drafted, a lot of guys who are international signees. Uh, you know, kind of making their way up and starting to make a name for themselves, uh, primarily in uh, the complex leagues in Arizona and Florida. Matt, the first guy I want to touch on is Alexander Ovias. He's an outfielder in the Rangers organization. And what makes him interesting is he was part of the deal in the uh, Cole Hamels trade last year. Uh, when the Rangers traded him to the Cubs. Uh, they received back Eddie Butler and Raleigh Lacey. Eddie Butler is pitching abroad. Raleigh Lacey uh, was traded in the offseason. Uh, Alexander Ovias is the only guy left in the Rangers system they got in this Cole Hamels deal. And at the time, it seemed like a very light return. Uh, Ovias is off to a really nice start. What about Ovias has stood out to you uh, when you just kind of dig into the numbers and what makes you a hipster on him? <laughs> the attributes about Ovias that intrigue me are is he just seems like a pure hitter. He's, he's a very solidly built young left-handed hitter who the Cubs signed and then traded to the Rangers. And the Rangers pushed him to the Northwest League this season after a month in the Arizona League. He hit 377 to earn that promotion. And I think, you know, the, the, the discipline and hit tool are very promising with Ovalles. Yeah, anytime you see someone who's 18 years old and gets pushed up uh, to the short season leagues, it's always intriguing. Again, this is someone who it will be many years before we see him in the major leagues. But uh, you mentioned anytime young, left-handed, a little bit of power, a little bit of plate discipline, still growing into his body. That's a really nice player to have both uh, from a, a real baseball standpoint as well as potentially a deep fantasy league standpoint. I think you're correct, yeah. A couple of other guys that you highlighted, uh, there are some some international guys on this list because a lot of times those are the guys who come out a little bit less known, but once they get to the States, they, they can make a name for themselves. Aaron Brocco is a second baseman in the Indian system. He's put up some really good power numbers. He right away has kind of been an interesting guy. Middle infield, he's, he's hit almost from the get-go. Um, when you look at Aaron Brocco, why are you high on him and what did you see? Yeah, the, the attributes for Bracho, you know, he has moved off shortstop, which was his amateur position, um, probably more of a second baseman, but I think that's okay given the way the game is being played now and his offensive ceiling. Uh, you know, a 300 hitter with a similar number of walks and strikeouts with some interesting power for such a young player. The skills he's shown in the Arizona League indicate that he is definitely ready for, for more next season. Yeah, you mentioned hitting uh, over 300 as of this recording. He's at 305. Uh, that slug is 642. A lot of doubles, a couple of triples, some home runs. But that power has come. He's walking as much as he's striking out. 
Uh, I mean, switch hitter, walking as much as he's striking out, plays in the middle of the diamond, and there's average and power. I mean, that that definitely uh, – it's easy to see why uh, you could be a hipster on him. Moving on, one of the other guys that does have some name recognition here was Francisco Alvarez. He was one of the top international signees last year, catcher who signed with the Mets. And uh, right away in spring training, when I was talking to a couple of evaluators, they pointed him out as someone who was really, really impressing them, just how advanced he was in terms of, you know, nothing about him in a lot of evaluators' eyes was that of a 17, 18-year-old. Uh, we've seen him advance up to Kingsport in the Appalachian League. Matt, when you looked at Francisco Alvarez and kind of dug into the numbers, what jumped out to you about him? Yeah, the Mets are very excited about Alvarez. You know, I have been ranking their system for a number of years, and the the praise they heap on him at such a young age is it's rare. Um, I think the, the key attributes you want to zero in on with Alvarez are Power, uh, power to all fields. I mean, he's he he can take the ball out to to right field and right center field. Uh, he makes a ton of contact. These are just very. It's a very rare combination of skills he has offensively, and the fact that the Mets promoted him to the Appy League at 17 as a catcher, I think that speaks volumes. You know, anytime a player hits his way out of a league at such a young age, not only is his skill level high. But the organization is telling us that they they have a lot of confidence in the players' competitive drive and confidence, you know, to to get through the inevitable rough spots. You know, they they know that Alvarez can get through that because they've seen it. He's rewarded them. I mentioned he got promoted out of the Gulf Coast League. That was after just seven games. He's gone up to Kingsport. Uh, 304, 385, 424, 17 years old. This is a very young kid, still born uh, November 2001. So he'll be 17 throughout the remainder of this regular season. Uh, Matt, you, having done the Met system for a while, uh, have known that they've uh, had some struggles with, with some of their catchers, uh, guys maybe not developing the way they hoped. Uh, when you look at Francisco Alvarez, is this the Mets catcher of the future right now? Probably, uh, you know, 17, even the most aggressive assignments for catchers, they're really not historically big league ready until they're roughly 22-ish. So we have several seasons if uh, history is any guide on Alvarez's development. Staying in the National League East, uh, a fast-rising outfielder in the Philly system, Johan Rojas, was someone you highlighted pretty prominently on this list of, of guys in rookie ball who are names to know for the future, uh, especially for fantasy players. Rojas, a 17-year-old, that they signed him out of the Dominican Republic last year. He's already hit his way out of the Gulf Coast League. He's up to the New York Penn League. Uh, just what has he shown you uh, so far in his, his uh, rookie, uh, or I should say his first uh, professional season? Yeah, Rojas is a under-the-radar guy because he signed at 17, uh, spent a year in the DSO, um, but it didn't take long to get out of the GCL this year, which is something you like to see. You know, he's, he went to the Penn League, and he's kind of fallen off quite a bit there, but it's, it's a college-dominated league or guys who have more experience than he does. So struggles are to be expected, but I think what you like about Rojas is just the, the all-around attributes, you know, Maybe he's, maybe the power isn't isn't plus down the road, but he's shown a lot of very positive hitting traits in terms of hitting the ball hard, controlling the strike zone. 
Uh, Rojas uh, turned 19 yesterday, actually. So uh, it's his age 18 season. You're right. He's up in the New York Penn League where it's a lot of guys who are just drafted 21, 22, sometimes even 23. Uh, Rojas, Alvarez, uh, obviously two international signees. Uh, and really, you know, a lot of this list, as mentioned, is international signees. Aaron Brocco and Alexander Vias as well. Uh, there was one domestic kid who is interesting, and that's Corbin Carroll, an outfielder with the Diamondbacks. Those who are kind of draft Knicks are probably familiar with him. Uh, he was considered a, a potential top 10 pick at one point this spring. Uh, ended up going 16th overall to the Diamondbacks. Uh, was considered, you know, right along with Riley Green and Brett, Brett Beatty as, as the top prep hitters in this class. Uh, right away, got off to a really nice start. Uh, you saw some things beyond just the surface level numbers that uh, had you include him on this list of, of young guys to really keep an eye on. Uh, when you look at Corbin Carroll, what stands out to you there? I think making such a quick adaptation to a professional ball is, is it's really encouraging, you know, to hit 300 in the AZL. Okay. 291. He hit 291 with nearly as many walks as strikeouts. So the, the hit, the hitting ability and the strike zone discipline came as advertised. You know, he was lauded for both attributes in high school. And he's another one of these guys who has hit his way uh, to the Northwest League. So he's already playing in a short season league, which, you know, if you had any doubt, that definitely puts him on a track for low A next year. And I think he's going to be one of the steadiest risers from the high school players drafted in 2019. Yeah, he's been up in Northwest League for a week. Uh, again, only one week, and it's a hitter-friendly league. But, you know, already a hitting 348 with a 444 on base and a 696 slug up there, uh, three doubles right away in his first six games. And you know, I remember when he was coming up, he's a smaller guy. He's only 5'10", 165. But uh, he was hitting some home runs out of Petco Park uh, during a Perfect Game All-America home run derby uh, before his senior year. He's a smaller guy, but there is some strength there. And, uh, people believe he can stick in center field, so he fits the traditional profile, left-handed hitting center field. He can hit. Uh, I remember, again, there were a lot of people who thought Corbin Carroll was better than the 16th overall pick in the country, and the Diamondbacks might have gotten a steal for a, a rapidly improving farm system. Yeah, I think they did, too. I think they did well. Matt, well, we talk about some of these guys who are at the lower levels that are kind of just getting out there making a name for themselves. Sometimes you also have guys who – at one point look like really promising prospects fall off a little bit and, and interest cools on them as uh, human nature is to go find the newest exciting thing. Um, but sometimes these guys bounce back up, you know, struggles in the higher levels are not a reason to jump off guys. And we see that in the majors every year. Cal Quantrill is a really good example of that. Um, on the offensive side, you had mentioned DJ Peters as someone that you were still high on, even though maybe some of the momentum behind him has cooled. Uh, he won the MVP of the California League in 2017, uh, got to double-A last year, and led the Texas League in home runs, but he also led the league in strikeouts. Was sent back there this year to repeat the league. Uh, was not doing great. His, his prospect stock definitely dropped. Dodgers put him up at AAA in some ways just to get him a little bit of a, a new surrounding, maybe challenge him a little bit. And so far, he's hit very, very well. Now, AAA, as our colleague J.J. Cooper has written about extensively, is a little bit uh, crazy right now with how the balls are flying out. But at the same time, you have to perform. And Peters has done that since going up to AAA. The power's always been there. He's 
Also showing a lot more plate discipline. It's hard to sometimes tell just looking at the numbers because pitchers are avoiding the strike zone in AAA right now. But at the same time, things have moved in the right direction. When you look at DJ Peters overall, what has you still optimistic on him, uh, even as maybe some people might have jumped off the ship? Oh, definitely the power. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah. And in fact, people have probably jumped off the ship so much that he, he is probably available now in your league and <laughs> your, your dynasty league or he probably was at some point this summer. So potentially a good get for someone. You know, there's still, you have a really tall right-handed hitter, so it's probably going to take him a while to, you know, get everything in sync and make enough contact. I mean, he's playing in a league and with a ball and in a context that's just perfectly suited for his his skill set, which is, you know, infrequent contact, but hard contact when he does connect. And one of the things with DJ Peters, too, a lot of the strikeouts, he's a patient hitter. It's not like this is a guy who's chasing and going out of the zone left and right. I remember talking to some evaluators who said, you know, he's a really patient hitter, and they felt like if he was a little more aggressive early in counts as opposed to getting behind one, two sometimes, they thought the strikeouts would come down. Um, and we do see a lot of times when you move up into the upper levels, guys are around the strike zone a lot more. Uh, you know, he can, you know, maybe attack some pitches earlier. I know the Dodgers have worked with him on some swing things. He is an interesting guy, and, and he's a good athlete, too. He's 6'6", 225, um, but there's a sense he can play all three outfield spots. You know, pretty consistently, just from an evaluator standpoint, the consensus has been, you know, is he going to start for the Dodgers every day, a first division championship-level club? Probably not. But if he were to get moved to a team like the Orioles, like the Tigers, like the Royals, he could start for a second division team. And from a fantasy perspective, home runs are home runs no matter where they come from. Yeah, I, I still can't shake like the visions of Jason Worth with this guy. One guy, even if it's not the Jason Worth level, Steven Souza has been a comp as well. Another big, taller guy, uh, a lot of power, swing and miss. But Souza, while he's now struggled to stay healthy, did appear to have a breakout year a few years ago where he was a middle-of-the-order power hitter, and there's fantasy value there for sure. Yeah, that is, yeah that's that family of player. Matt, are there any other upper-level guys that, that you're intrigued by? Because I think sometimes we talk about these super lower-level guys, and they're interesting, but they're also four, five, six years away, uh, where a guy like Peters could be someone you could find here now, and things break right, he could help the fantasy player within a year or two. Yeah, you know, in a typical dynasty league, though, I mean, all the upper-level guys are going to be owned. You're, you're really trying to look farther ahead, you know, not always to improve your team, but to pick up guys who, who will build trade value. So that's why I personally like, like to focus on the younger guys. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's anybody else who really fits quite as nicely as Peters in this discussion. But if we want to talk about another draft guy, I would definitely mention Greg Jones of the Rays, the uh, very, the 80 runner shortstop they drafted this year out of UNC Wilmington. There's a lot of attributes to like here. I mean, he's going to be probably borderline uh, first round pick in, in dynasty drafts just based on that speed. From that perspective of, hey, he can run, people like him. He was scouted heavily out of high school as well. How much bat do you think will be there based on the early returns, the earlier scouting reports? And then how much bat do you think needs to be there? <laughs> uh, I don't think we'll know for a while how good of a hitter he is. Like, playing at these low levels isn't going to give you an idea. Because like, it's like um, anybody who can bat left-handed and run fast and get the bat on the ball, you're going to hit pretty good average in these leagues. You know, we'll, we'll have a better idea. 
college guy is. Penn league. It's, 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 it's hard to put a lot of stock in, in that. It really is the batting average. Yeah, for, for sure. He's, he's at 344 now. The defenses there just aren't equipped to a hitter like him. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, I can see someone, you know, deep dynasty league saying, you know what, let's take a chance on this game for sure. We talked exclusively about hitters in this discussion. There's one pitcher who's really interesting, and that's Seth Corey, a left-handed pitcher in the Giants system, currently at low class A Augusta. Uh, those who read uh, Baseball America, they'll check the website every Monday. You know, he's been a, a frequent person on the hot sheets recently. Lefty has a fastball and curveball. Was very, very wild coming out of the draft through his first season, uh, really through the first half of this year. Made some delivery changes, and the last month or so has been absolutely ridiculous. The numbers he's putting up <laughs> last couple starts five scoreless, 12 strikeouts, seven scoreless with seven strikeouts, five and two thirds hitless with 10 strikeouts, five scoreless with seven strikeouts. He has not allowed a run in his last five starts. That's dating back to July 13th. Uh, he's had at least seven strikeouts in every single one of those starts, gone at least five innings in every single one of those starts. A lefty who's not giving up hits, not giving up runs, no longer walking guys and striking guys out by the bunch. Uh, right mm-hmm. now, he's actually in the mix uh, to lead the minor leagues in ERA this year. When you look at Seth Corey and just the development that's happened, what makes you say, go get him right now? Uh, especially considering as good as it's been, perhaps the walk improvement, we're still looking at a month or so of it. It's not been sustained yet. Yeah. I, you know, you have a, a young left-hander with a couple of pitches and in his last outing here against Jerome, he had uh, 21 swinging strikes. That's uh, that'll work. <laughs> so I think the, the attributes here, he's definitely worth a dart throw. You know, his raw stuff might not, might not scream at you that he's a future ace, but you never know. Players develop differently, and there's a chance that Corey becomes a uh, significant uh, rotation piece. When you look at a guy like this, how early do you take him? Because you're right, there's a chance he's a significant rotation piece. There's also a chance that the third pitch development and the control puts him in the bullpen. Yeah, the fact that he's left-handed, I would, I would be intrigued by him if he's available in your dynasty league. Uh, were he a right-hander doing this, I probably wouldn't have the same level of interest, but the left-handedness, I think, puts him over the top. And if, if you roster, you know, 20 to 30 guys in your farm system, he's definitely worth an ad. As you say, uh, when we do our league top 20s every year, lefties, they have so many avenues to <laughs> that even if something goes wrong, there's still an opportunity to help you. And again, a guy like this, even if the starter track doesn't stick, you mentioned you have the deep system, you know, get you some strikeouts down the road. If he goes into the bullpen, there, there's multiple avenues he can help. Yeah, for sure. Matt, any final thoughts here as we wrap up this edition of Fantasy Hipster? No, it's been fun to get back in the groove. I think um, I think we just gave everybody the tools they need to win their leagues. You can mail the check to uh, Matt. <laughs> Matt, well, thank you uh, very, very much for joining us. Uh, it's been fun joining you here on Fantasy Hipster. We'll have more editions coming up here as the season comes to a close. For Matt Eddy, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody.